Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. God is so awesome. I've got something to say to you today, and that is, C3 Church, you are so blessed. You are so blessed. When I look at what's happening just in the few weeks uh, passing, I just think, man, this is a church I would want to be a part of that uh, Susan and I may need to have a discussion and think about maybe changing our minds. And just be members of this church and be a part of an amazing future. The things that we put into place during COVID was really motivated by the fact that we didn't want to come out of COVID limping with flat tyres and spending the next five years just trying to get momentum and growth happening. And, but we wanted to hit the ground running. And boy, with Matthew and Christelle in place... I can feel the pace picking up. Can you feel it? I think it's absolute privilege for this church to have Matthew and Christelle as lead pastors. It's just brilliant. Mind you, I mean, you might be just here thinking, poof, suddenly they're lead pastors, but this has been several years in the making, even before they knew about it. Susan and I were deliberately taking back steps and just creating a little bit more of a vacuum and allowing them to take more and more space before we even spoke to them about being senior pastors. And so the transitional, the succession plan actually is very intentional. Uh, it, it's actually focused work and a lot of discipling over the years. And uh, what a result. Uh, and I can tell you that around C3 Europe and around C3, the, around the globe, we are just getting so much recognition and encouragement as to how this succession and transition is going. So we're very, Susan and I are just delighted and proud. Well done, church. Fantastic. And so it puts a little bit of pressure on me when we say this is my last message. I don't think I've come to terms with that. But uh, yeah, we'll see how we go. So I want to just, we're going to show a video a bit later on. We, I want to pray for a couple of people at the end. But I also want to talk about how to love your pastors. I don't think I've ever heard anyone. I've never heard a preacher get up. And it'd be pretty weird to preach about yourself, how you should love me, right? So that's probably why you've never heard about it. But I, there's, a, there's a book in me called How to Be a Christian in Church. And it's not that you have to be a Christian to be in church, but if you are a Christian, you need to be in church and how to behave as a Christian in church. And one of the chapters is how to love your pastor. You know what I'm talking about today? Because I think we tend to take them for granted and underappreciate what they do and carry. I know I've been there, done that. So... Susanna and, I, Susanna and I are in the process of selling our house. Actually, today we have our second viewing, so we're not stressed at all. 
We have not been cleaning endlessly. We've been not praying that our huge dog would not mess something up that would take me hours to fix. Um, so we're going to have to skedaddle straight after the service because the viewing is at three and I'm sure there's more things we need to fix up before they come. So please be praying for us. This is our second viewing and the bidding should be underway this week. Um, and uh, yeah, and so once the door finalised, we'll have lots of documents. To, we'll meet with the agent at the office and the people buying. If you've ever bought and sold, there's a lot of things to sign and papers to sign and you always get a little confused as to where to sign and which one and... But here's the thing. Susanna and I would be swapping pens, giving back and forth, just sign here, no, just sign here, checking which one you signed. And when I think about the signature, if I gave you my pen, could you do write my signature? And the answer, of course, is of course not. You couldn't. There's not a shop, a pen shop, with an assortment, a selection of pens, and under each pen is a signature, and you go, hmm, I like that signature. I'll take that pen. And when you write with that pen, it writes that particular signature. That's not how it is at all. The pen is just a device. If you've got ink in it, it'll work. But I'm the one that writes the signature. And that's a bit like this device. We all have one. I've got a pen. If I gave you my pen, you would not be able to write my signature. No matter what colour it is, how thick the nib is, if it's a pencil, if it's spray paint, didn't wouldn't matter. The signature is unique to me. But everyone's got this device. And God's work in my life, when I read this and allow the Holy Spirit, I gotta tell you, He makes it so personal to me. This device changes me. Because the Holy Spirit is absolutely brilliant at taking the message and the power of the cross and making it completely intimate to me. So you have your device, I have my device called the Bible. But it's like my signature. The expression of God in my life is unique to me, but it's the same. It's like my signature is unique to me, but it's not that dissimilar to yours. It's still done with a pen. This is still done by the Holy Spirit through the written word. It's like if you want to say, um, if you want to look at it this way, uh, when you, uh, I, I kind of have a bit of a creative side to myself and maybe one day I'll do an art class. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come visit Roland. I'm sure he can give me some tips. But you have done your 12-week course and the teacher's going, okay, we're going to have a model in the, side, in the middle of the room, sitting on a stool. You're going to have your easel that you put your canvas on and you're going to spread around the model in the room and you have to paint what you see. And that's the final exam of your art class. And so here I am, I've got my easel, I've got my canvas, and I've, there's the model, but the model is facing over there. I only get part of the ear, the back of the head, a tip of the nose. I can't get the eyes at all. I've got the figure's shoulder, the muscles, profile, the way their shirt hangs off the back of the stool. And so that's what the picture of the figure of the room I have to paint. That's unique to my canvas. But here's the awesome thing. When we put all our canvases together, 
we get the full picture of the figure in the room. When we come to church on a Sunday, you bring your canvas that's still being painted. And we come together and we create a complete picture of our Lord. His work in my life. Because you know what? My life experiences, my challenges, my joys, my pains, my brokenness, that's all part of the canvas. It's all part of his work in my life. And I come with that and God puts it in me, heals me, leads me, guides me, encourages me through my personality, through my character, through my convictions, as he does you. And this is why it's dangerous when we go to conferences or we're looking at YouTube and Joyce Meyer and all these wonderful speakers of the world. Only if I was more like them. You know what? You do their path, you'll be more like them. Because for them to get that profile, they've had to walk a lot of hard miles. They've had to have a lot of application of this device in their lives. And until you walk their path, you won't be like them. You will be you and your path and your journey. Are you with me today? So, this I know. God has the deepest of convictions about you. He has such a deep conviction about your importance and about what you mean to him that he allowed the greatest pain into his being. Think about that. Parents may know a little bit about that if you've got teenagers or young adults. What you'll sacrifice for your kids. He has such a deep conviction about how much he loves you that he would do absolutely anything for you to paint a beautiful canvas of your experience and knowledge of him. Jesus is the doorway to the Father. That first revelation of Saviour, Redeemer, the one that's made me right before the Father, the one that's given me forgiveness and set me free from my stupidity and rebellion. He is the doorway to the Father. And I believe that revelation is absolutely core and central to anyone that wants to walk with the Lord. Second revelation, I think, that is so, so important is that if Jesus is the doorway to the Father, then we need to walk through what Jesus has done and given us to the Father. And the Father says, He is love. He doesn't say, I am generous. He doesn't say, I... Well, he actually says all of that, but you know what I'm getting at. But before any of the other characteristics, he is love. For God so loved the world, he would do anything to get closer to you. For God so loved you, 
Here's the problem with the word love in English. It's so limited. I feel like it's so hard to communicate this revelation. Because I believe this revelation of love of God the Father, if we got that at a deeper level, whatever you're facing wouldn't matter. If I knew that I knew that I knew. If my canvas reflected the revelation of his love that he's deposited in my heart that I know that I know that I know that he is love and he's passionate about me. Then what can intimidate me when I know my father has got things sorted because he thinks I'm awesome and he'll protect me. He'll go to the nth degree to protect me to supply every need, to heal me and set me free from any form of attack. If I knew how much he loved me, we go through Jesus and all that he did. And we keep coming back to that truth again and again and again, because that is the access point to everything the Father has for us. And first and foremost, It is the power and the intimacy of his love. If anything, what Jesus did on the cross was a declaration of intimacy. Curtain ripped in half. Pharisees, Sadducees, mocked by the grace that was provided on the day of Calvary. First two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. If there was one thing, if you want to do a Bible study for the rest of the year on love, I can tell you it will transform your attitude. If you want joy, you will find it at the foot of the father as a child, as a daughter, as a son, knowing that he's got it covered because he loves you so passionately. And I've got to tell you that revelation's waiting for you. The second commandment. Love your brother, love your sister, love your friend, love your wife, love your kids as yourself. He says you've got to get the first one right. You've got to get the first one right. Otherwise, the second one is just going to be a bunch of problems and half-hearted attempts that will unsatisfy you. That we've got to get the love of the Father and we go, oh, but... I just don't feel that emotional. We're not talking about getting a new girlfriend. We're talking about a love that requires a decision. A love that requires an action. And you're going to find as you dive into him, the father and his word, and you rely on the wonderful leading and guiding and counsel and revelation from the Holy Spirit, Believe me, you will be captivated emotionally. One of the wonderful things about God is that he wants to move us emotionally. He wants to shift us and capture us emotionally. He wants our response to him and everything he's done to be an emotional, not just a mental exercise. That we would be absolutely captivated 
by the majesty and the beauty and the grace and the love of the Father towards his kids. So the first one is to love him with all our, with everything that we are. And the second one is to love our neighbour, your husband, your wife, your children, your friends, as yourself. If I, if I haven't got the love right for myself, I'm going to find it pretty hard to love everybody else. You can see the math here, right? If I haven't got this revelation deep within my spirit, within my heart, within my knowing that I know that I know, then if I've got that, then my relationships around me are going to experience the same. So he puts the responsibility on us to love him and access everything he has in the context of his love for us. And then he puts the responsibility on us to take that love and love our world into the kingdom. This is what he says in 1 John three sixteen to 19. We now know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us so that we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and see a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So now we really know what love is because we just got to look at Jesus. Not only just what he did, which was mind-blowing, but who sent him and for what reason. It was for love. But here in verse 17, I see, hmm, we're going to be measured. We're going to be measured. It says right here. If I have no compassion to meet somebody's need, then God's love is not in me. That means... As followers of Jesus Christ, as lovers of the Father, He's watching what we are doing with what He's given us to access. Verse 18, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let's show the truth by our actions. This is why we created City Hearts. Not that we don't need to care, in every other aspect of church, but this is a practical ministry to show Christ's love into our region, into lives. Actions. People are falling in and out of intimate relationship because of emotion. You know how it is in our society today. People hardly even talk about it. They fall into bed and fall out of bed quicker than you can... Buy a new spring sweater. And it's all based on how I feel. And I'm not seeing anything here based on how I feel. I see love in action. A new command I give you, John 13, 34. Love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're showing that we're measured. We're showing what love looks like. 
So we're given the gold standard of what love looks like. And then he says, there's a consequence, there's an outcome. For all the things that the church, the world wants to mock the church about, they will not be able to mock you about the quality of love that you have for your brother, your sister, your city, your region, your neighborhood. Here's what I know about love in action. It's not convenient. It requires me to get off my selfish bottom and think beyond my selfish needs because the kind of love that Jesus showed is costly. And I've discovered as I was just processing this and writing this message today, when I fully dive into the love of the Father and get that revelation as His Son, what Jesus did at Calvary and the price and the cost, but that the Father, my goodness, what he has given me. And he says, now love everybody else. And I go, do you know who everybody else is? Can I not just pick and choose? Because when I love the Father and I know his revelation of love to me, the fruits of the Spirit flow easily. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because of that, the fruits of patience, long-suffering, you name it, will be default in your personality. It's costly, this kind of love. It's inconvenient. It requires us to give, to spend time and energy, to spend money, And this is what makes the church so powerful. This is our secret source that that makes us so different to the rest of the world. The power and the unity of the body functioning in the same love that Jesus showed us. A love quality that costs us. But in that cost and in that payment that we are so willing to pay, we see anointing falling. We see God's heart expanding. We see people coming into his presence and feeling his love in this place. That is the only way that we exhibit his love. What's your canvas looking like these days? Because... When Scripture tells us that God has made you wonderfully, it doesn't say he's made you perfect like Jesus. It says he's made you wonderfully with all your imperfections, with all your shortcomings, with your insecurities and fears, with the broken parts of your heart through the challenges of life. He said, I'm still painting your canvas. What's your canvas looking like today? Because he wants to use what you've painted. When I look at a few people in this church, and I could go through a lot, 
I can see their canvas. When I look at Yvonne and Aaron, I see their canvas. They think it's just who they are, but it's actually God in them. Their hospitality, their, their refuge, their place of refuge. And you know what? When you love, even if it's just an SMS and to take someone out for a coffee or a lunch or buy them a gift or give them a weekend away, whatever it is, it's going to cost you. For Yvonne and Aaron, it cost them. For us, our home turned into a hostel. We didn't know what to expect. We've never taken in 12 people of three generations. We didn't know how long it was going to be. Right now, they're on more permanent housing and they, they, I think they're very close to getting work. They've got all their approvals from migration. But here's the deal. Get used to paying the price so we can be like Jesus. When I look at Matsumaria, I see a price paid. Through life experience and generosity of heart, I see a depth and maturity and wisdom that comes so freely and easily from them. When I look at Shetel, you don't have to say much. You just be in his presence and you just want to open up. Pastoral care, a heart, a healing touch stems from his heart of worship. When I look at Bobby, I've got to tell you, I just want to put him in a jar. I don't need a red bull. I just need a piece of what Bobby's got because I've got to tell you, what he's got is infectious. He's got a passion for the Lord Jesus in the context of praise that just won't quit. His canvas is beautiful. And of course, my beautiful wife, Suzanne, with grace and humility. And don't be fooled, there's a strength there. A certainty of heart for her saviour about the things that really matter most. A guiding light in our relationship. What's your canvas look like? Because God wants to use it. Even if you just started painting an outline, even if you just started the corner, even if God's work is just beginning in your life, he wants to use that to communicate his love to this city and this region starting right here in this church. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know. You know, when I was growing up, street corner evangelism was pretty big. People preaching hellfire and brimstone was kind of the thing. The world doesn't need that. Doesn't need that at all. Needs the opposite. The most powerful love in the universe. You know what? What's on my canvas? He changed this hard heart. That love, whatever person you're praying for, keep praying. Because God is an expert at transforming hearts. He took a broken young man from a broken family and set me straight and set me right. 
and introduced me to the perfect Father. Thank you, Jesus. If I was to leave you with something, it would be that. That Susan would give you that charge and I would give you that charge. Love each other well. As we were processing in COVID, the importance as we couldn't meet in services, as we couldn't meet in connect groups and occasionally in a connect group and then maybe one a service every six months. It was just so hard to stay connected. And so we were trying to think of strategies and ways in which people could feel loved. And we talked about strategies and and Susan said, no, no, stop. Let's just love people well. It's really simple. And if we're all on board, we can change the world. So when I stand up here and say, you are so blessed, it's because not just the quality of Matthew and Christelle, but the quality of you. It's quite incredible. And so let me just change tact a little bit, get a little bit honest with you about pastoring. We'll see how we go go with it. And then I'm going to pray for a few people. I'm just going to read through some of my points just so I get it right. right. I want, to, I want you to get that you have a responsibility to care for your pastors. Here's the problem that you have. Matthew and Christelle just seem so capable that you're probably thinking, oh, they don't need my help. I can tell you, in time they will. Be tuned in, be intuitive. Because you know what? Yes, they are the senior pastors, the lead pastors of this church, but it's also their church. They want to be friends with you as well. And it's a very hard line to walk to lead you and be friends with you. So be gracious in that direction. Be gracious to their family. This is their church. This is... This is um, Christelle's, Caleb's, Dylan's, Jason. I was going to say something else. It's their church, just like yours. Just be aware of that. You know what? They carry a holy desire. These two are probably some of the most passionate people I know. They carry a holy desire for his kingdom and his church. This is what Paul says about it. Paul describes this desire as a daily pressure, a anxiety. It's true. They carry it every day. It's what pushes them to pray. It's what pushes them to give. It's what pushes them. And God gives them a special anointing with this role because I know Susan and I have had this anointing as well. And it's kind of weird because... There's, there's times when I go, this is not my natural self. It must be an anointing. It's called the anointing of love. God gives them an anointing to love you well. Their capacity becomes so enlarged because of the anointing that comes with the leadership. So I say that to you because that is also a burden. When they are tired, they still carry your burdens. When there's a pastoral conversation, you need to know they will carry that with you. They will follow you up. They will encourage you. 
It's not just, oh, we're, we're lead pastors, we just got busy lives. No. They will carry your burdens because of this love, this divine love that God has given them. Have you ever heard the saying that after church, everyone goes home and has pasta for dinner, for lunch? You get the play on words? Have pasta? Okay. I won't go explaining it. They carry the weight of criticism. Now, criticism comes as a cost of leadership. You can't be in leadership anywhere without being criticised, including church. And I think you know what I'm talking about. And so can I encourage you, when you think critically, you probably don't have all the information. You're probably needing to be flexible and gracious and you're probably needing to shut this. And if you want to, uh, let's say, communicate your criticism to Matthew and Christelle, can I strongly suggest don't send an SMS? Can I strongly suggest don't send an email? Call them and meet with them face to face because that's where the relationship is. Because he loves you, she loves you. She wants, they want to hear what's on your heart. Little side point, and I haven't said this to Matthew, and I don't think he'll obey me. <laughs> After church, Sunday afternoon, don't SMS them unless it's an encouragement. Keep your shopping list, especially guys on leadership teams and stuff, keep your shopping list till Monday. All right? Because church is a climax to the week. All through the week, Matthew and Christelle are building up to the service. They're praying. They're processing. Don't forget, they've got three young kids. They've got full-time jobs, not to mention his horses and sheep and everything else. And so Matthew, by God's grace, is getting downloads about his message as he's driving kids to daycare. God's amazing. He fits in to their busyness. But let me tell you, the build-up is true for them. And so come Sunday, they come with full expectation. They've prayed up. You know what? It takes a little work to pray up and get ready and get yourself ready. Who's ever come to church in the car with your spouse and had a fight in the car? Oh, come on, everybody. If you haven't, you're not human. Pastors are no different. <laughs> We're at a pastor's meeting and uh, Terry and Marianne, I can say this because they're very honest and very open. And they said, the best thing we did for our marriage was to go to church in separate cars. <laughs> it's so true, especially when you've got little kids. You're so stressed getting the kids ready, so stressed trying to remember your message or the service. You're so stressed about that problem with the computer, blah, blah, blah. And then you've got kids Show some grace. Show some understanding. Um, right. There's a spiritual attack as well. The target just got bigger. The enemy doesn't back off. Now, if any of you know a little bit of our story, we had tremendous spiritual attack for years trying to birth this church. 
And it, it definitely had its impact on us. Thankfully, this is a different season and these guys won't face so much, but doesn't stop the enemy trying to attack this couple. Because he knows if he can get this couple and discourage them, burn them out, whatever, that will impact the, the, the quality and the effectiveness of the church. So be praying for your pastors. Speak scripture over their lives and their marriage and their kids. Be aware that this is a battle. Can I encourage you to set them free? Set them free. Set them free. On a Sunday morning, set them free. Let their kids be naughty. Oh, that Jason. Where was Matthew? Anyone know what I'm talking about here? Who's got kids running around? You're all very quiet. He's like, oh, what's he talking about? Yeah, we're just getting a little honest here about pastoring. It's hard coming with your little kids to church and you're the pastors and you're trying to be a part of all the different things getting ready for church and your kids are just going all over the place. Let's try to help them be understanding, all right? And of course, love on them by investing in them, blessing them, sending them away for a weekend, giving them gifts to the movies, babysitting, just encourage them, tell them what wonderful people they are and how you just love being under their leadership and ministry. Because I've got to tell you, it just lifts them in their spirit, knowing that people love them really tangibly. And if I was to sum all this up into one phrase, and this is something I heard from Pastor Phil Pringle, the founder of C3 Church, and he said it at a conference, and I'll never forget it. And if there was one thing, he said, if you want to, he said, the way, the best way for you to show love to your pastor is turn up to church. Turn up to church. Be in church because the whole week has been in preparation for a God encounter. And when you're here, you make it better. You're saying to Matthew and Christelle, all the effort you've put in, I respect it and I want to be a part of it. And I want to add to it. I want to be a part of this community of faith. And corporately, we access the presence of God and open heaven over this city. Come to church. Respect all the work that so many people in this church have put together every week to make this possible. Love you, Pastor. Come to church. Should be a sticker. Let's put it on.